Yeah. What's going on, everybody? Ray Route here. And if I'm here, that means it's time for Ray Sports Rant. Here is a part of the Dean Blundell Network over at DeanBlundell.com. Go follow on Twitter at DBlundellNet. Go follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. You can download the Ray Sports Rant podcast almost every single day. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and uh, over at DeanBlundell.com. And really anywhere that you get your fine podcasts. Lots to talk about today. I uh, made a trip over to the Bills Helmet Bar and uh, had a fun time hanging out with them and seeing how the uh, Buffalo Bills live. It was my second time there. As you know, we did a big uh, spot on them a little while ago, but we're uh, we're happy to be back today. And I'll tell you, listening to 40 Bills fans scream about Josh Allen's poor play, well, it was the highlight of my day. Uh, we're going to talk about the Astros and Mr. Dusty Baker finally winning. Alfonso Davies, good to go for the World Cup. I want to talk about the Patriots offering a better deal for Chase Claypool. And the Steelers basically saying no. We're going to talk about Toronto. We're going to talk about Matt Judon, who's just a sack machine today. Up to double digits. Talk about that Bills loss to the Jets. Talk about OBJ. Bunch of, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff to talk about today. A lot of sports. Want to talk sports? I want to talk sports. Let's talk sports. All right. Oh, man. You know, before we get into any uh, sports talk today, I think I got a problem on my hand. I believe that my online persona, which is that, you know, arrogant jerk off sort of, I know more than everybody kind of thing is bleeding into my real life. I think that this arrogance has erased my one-time humbleness that I used to carry with me on a regular basis. And now I'm starting to get into that abyss of believing my own bullshit. Uh, I don't know if it's a bad thing. I don't know if it's a good thing. I mean, it's probably more me than anything else I've ever done in my life. Because as you know, as I've always said, Ray Route on uh, the podcast and on Twitter or social media is just an amplified version of myself. The same way when I go to my other job, uh, it's it's a toned down version of myself. And I kind of, my true persona kind of sits in the middle. But I'm going to be honest with you, I've noticed as of late, and it's been kind of pointed out to me that... Perhaps maybe my online persona is bleeding in to my real life a little bit. It hasn't bled into work yet, but it's definitely bleeding into my real life. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I guess that's for the people in my life to figure out. I don't know if it's that much of a bad thing. Like I said, it's probably more me than than not. The toned down version is a lesser version of me. I'm telling you, it's a further away version of who I am in real life to the amplified version that people get here on the podcast. But I also like to remind everybody that I talk about sports and I talk about sports more than anything else that I talk about in my life. I mean, if I'm not at work, I'm basically thinking and talking about football, hockey, basketball, thinking about the guests that I got coming up, trying to recruit people to the network as the sports director of the Dean Blundell network, just sports, 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 sports. It's amazing because for something that consumes my entire life, for something that I can't get away from, from something that I need to concentrate and put all of my effort into, it's also probably the least important thing that I do in my life. Crazy, right? 
It's crazy that something can be such a big part of me and yet such a small teensy, eensy, eensy little piece. And those are just sort of my thoughts of the day. I like to take a couple of minutes and use a segment just to talk about stuff that's not related to anything else. But let's talk about Matt Judon, shall we? Uh, This comes up today from NFL. He says, if you see Judon's red sleeves, it's too late. Three sacks today for at man underscore damn, which we all know is Matthew Judon, Indy versus New England. And of course, New England beat the Indianapolis Colts 26 to three. Both quarterbacks look brutal. Both defenses look good. Nick Folk was a hero yet again, but I want to talk about Matt Judon. I want to go back to free agency of 2021 when everybody was so excited about Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith and Kendrick Bourne and Jalen Mills. I came on my former podcast called the Deer Pats Nation Podcast. I spoke to my former podcast host of the Deer Pats Nation Podcast, Connor Carney. And I said to him, my favorite pickup, my favorite signing of this entire offseason for the Patriots was Matthew Judon. I loved Matthew Judon when he was in Baltimore. I always thought that Judon was the perfect fit for the New England Patriots. He had a great start to last season, kind of petered out as the season went on. He seems to have elevated his game to another level. We all know what his attitude is like. We all know everything about Matthew Judon. And watching his performance the last couple of weeks has been absolutely phenomenal. also want to put a shout out to Josh Uche, who I believe had two or three sacks today. He's starting to really come around and find himself in this Patriots offense. But I'm absolutely ecstatic that Matthew Judon has lived up. Because I'm going to say out of a lot of those free agent signings, he's probably the only one who's really lived up to the expectation. I think Hunter Henry is underwhelmed. Jonu Smith, we know, is underwhelmed. Kendrick Bourne this season has underwhelmed. Nelson Aguilar, underwhelmed. Jalen Mills, underwhelmed. But there's Matthew Judon just putting in the work day in and day out. Absolutely love the man. Love the red sleeves. Love what he's doing. And I think that Patriot fans all over the place are appreciating what that guy's done. He is an all pro for sure. He could be a candidate for defensive player of the year this year, especially if the Patriots can find themselves in a playoff spot. I really think that the beginning of this podcast is really just a Matthew Judon appreciation, you know, post, even though it's not a post, we'll call it a Matthew Judon appreciation post. Now let's talk about other appreciations. Okay. Let's get into this one right here. So yesterday I was watching the Bayern Munich game as I do when they play. And I watched Alfonso Davies slowly roll the ball out of play, bend over, grab his hamstring and call for the medical staff and immediately seen him signal the referee who signaled for a change. Now, normally when I am watching Bayern Munich play a game, I am watching it through the eyes of a Bayern Munich fan. I am looking to see what, how that's going to impact the Bayern team. However, I was like the rest of Canada on Saturday and thinking about the World Cup that's coming up in two weeks and was just absolutely devastated to see Alfonso Davies leave the field. As the day went on, we started hearing reports that Bayern doctors believed that it was a muscle tear and we were looking at a minimum of six to eight weeks recovery. Well, I woke up this morning around 7 a.m. Shout out daylight saving times for giving me the extra hour of sleep. Woke up at 7 a.m. this morning, eight o'clock yesterday, clicked on Twitter and saw a tweet from Bayern that said, Alfonso Davies will miss the next two Bundesliga matchups, but his participation at the World Cup is not 
at risk. And one soccer tweeted out Alfonso Davies, good to go. And I cannot tell you the relief that I felt that Alfonso Davies was going to be back on the pitch. Canada is not going to win the world cup. I'm not going to sit here and be some true blood Homer that believes Canada is going to win the world cup. You know, they're not going to win the world cup. I know they're not going to win the world cup. Let's get off that train. However, I do believe that Canada couldn't get to a knockout stage. They got Belgium. They got Croatia. Those are going to be two tough games. I don't believe that Canada could have done it without Davies. He's their best player. He's a superstar. He's also been there, done that guy. Champions League winner. You know, he was a six-time Club World Cup winner. He's got six trophies in one season. He's won everything there is to win with Bayern Munich. He knows how to win championships. And I think that Canada is starting to recognize that, especially the Canadian men's soccer team and Canada soccer know how much of a deal he is. I was on CBC a couple of weeks ago discussing his Jersey deal because him and his agent, you know, or Canada and, and Davy's agent can't come to an agreement about how much of a royalty Davy should be getting for his likeness and for his Jersey being sold. It is hot in here, guys. I need to take this coat off, but you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, Canada got the best message we could have got. I mean, I went to bed yesterday totally devastated and woke up this morning with euphoria. Shout out to Alfonso Davies. Like I said, I don't think Canada has a chance of moving forward without him and only missing two games and only being a strain. Oh, I, I just, <clears throat> I can't explain my happiness. I can't explain the euphoria that I'm feeling. I can't explain just how how great this really is. And I apologize to everybody who is watching this live or if there's any cutouts in the, in the uh, audio podcast, I am having some Wi-Fi issues, which I haven't had in a while. It's been a while since I've had these kind of Wi-Fi issues, but apparently they're going to rear their ugly head today, but well, it is what it is. Here we go. Um, so listen, the Houston Astros won the world series last night and my boy Casey Stern uh, tweeted this out said for all the great things you hear about dusty, they honestly don't do him justice. He's as sincere a human as any I've ever met, his storytelling is legendary, thrilled for him. Now, there's a couple of things when it comes to the Astros. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are still talking about the cheating scandal. And I think as a New England Patriots fan, I am in no position to accuse anybody of cheating or, or say that their championship should be tainted because of cheating. Uh, I'm for one that says if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I have never held the cheating scandal and the banging of trash cans against the Houston Astros. However... They didn't cheat this year, as far as we know. I don't think Dusty Baker is that kind of guy. I don't think he had them cheating. And because of that, they would have won this fair and square. And they were the best team in baseball. We knew that the Astros were the best team in baseball heading into this playoff series. But I want to talk about Dusty Baker for a little bit. Because I had Casey Stern on my show right before the playoffs started. We were talking about the Aaron Judge run and whether or not he was the home run champion or whether it was Barry Bonds. By the way, he said it was Barry Bonds. I agreed with him that it was Barry Bonds. And we also got into like, okay, what are the Blue Jays going to do in the playoffs? And can they beat the Astros? And basically, Casey was like, I don't know if anybody can beat the Astros. But then he talked about Dusty Baker. And he talked about Baker having a bit of a, a bad rep, sort of being known as a loser. But he told me that Baker was a guy who was respected. He was honest. He was humble. Said he was one of the greatest guys in the game of baseball. And I'm going to tell you right now, when Casey Stern says something, you listen. You know, for those of you who don't know Casey Stern, he used to work for the MLB Network. Then he went to TNT and he was covering basketball for them. He lives out in Atlanta. He's a huge Mets fan, huge New York Islanders fan. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, I believe, or Staten Island, somewhere. He was born and raised in New York somewhere. And when Casey Stern tells you 
that somebody is one of the most honest human beings in the world, when they tell you that he's just genuine and sincere, you take that to the bank. I've only had a, an opportunity to meet Casey Stern a couple of times. I've also watched him and Dean, uh, Dean Blundell, of course, the founder of the Dean Blundell Network that this podcast is a part of. I've watched them do a long form thing. And one thing that I've learned is when Casey Stern speaks, you listen because he's smart. He's humble. Uh, one of the best professionals in the game. And to this day, still like my most humble of guests that we had come uh, that I had come onto the show. Uh, he's just absolutely a banger and a phenomenal human being himself. So I'm happy for Dusty Baker and I'm happy for the Astros players, right? Get that. You know, now you can't say they can't win without cheating because the cheating is gone. And uh, kudos to the internet. Who's just been absolutely ripping the Philadelphia Phillies uh, all day after that loss. I know the Philly people just do not like Philly fans. They don't like Eagles fans. They don't like, uh, Phillies fans, they don't like Sixers fans, they don't like Flyers fans, and, and Philly is a very passionate, passionate fan base uh, who probably take things way too far, way too often, right? I think that's probably the fairest of assessments when you're talking about Philly fans. I mean, when they were going to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, the the city of Philadelphia greased up lamp poles so people weren't able to climb and break lamp poles in case they won or lost because Philadelphia was expecting a riot regardless. People just hate Philly. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, Philly fans are relentless, like a thousand percent relentless. Uh, at the time during that Super Bowl run, I was covering just the Patriots. I was doing Deer Pats Nation. You know, this is pre-Dean Blundell and me moving into this all sports, Toronto sports sort of platform that we moved to. And I'll tell you what, man, those Philly fans were the most relentless fan base I had in that lead up to the Super Bowl. Some of the greatest comments and insults thrown my way. Uh, I'll never forget one I got from a, a female Phil, uh, Eagles fan who said, look at this fat boy who's concerned about the Eagles. He probably hasn't seen his dick in three years. I just I could not like it hit me so funny. And people think that I don't like being insulted. I love a good insult. And I love when people like when that dude called Connor and I sycophants and all that type of stuff, I don't mind. I'll take those kind of insults. Anything that makes me laugh that's against me, I'm good with. I'm not into the bullshit insults of people that are like, oh, Ray, you're fat. And that's it. Like, fucking be creative. Like, you know what I mean? I know. That's not funny at all. I, it's it's just, you're just trying to insult me. It doesn't insult me. It doesn't make me laugh. So it annoys me. If you're going to insult me, insult me right. Come up with something funny. Something that's going to make me laugh or try to try to hurt me. If, if, if you think that you got a good insult that's actually going to hurt me, it's probably going to make me laugh, and I love it because I love a good insult. So come on, fucking do better, man. St stop with the fucking your fat shit because it just doesn't it doesn't hit home to me. And if it doesn't hit home, it's not working for you. And, and don't be a dick. Like, this is the internet. This is not real life. This is whatever. You know, like the guy who likes to keep fucking... Uh, trolling our, our comment section talking about Marco still being dead and love vibration nation still being dead. Like what the fuck is the point, right? You're just a fucking goof. And I actually feel sorry for you. I feel sorry that your life is so fucking miserable that that's the path and route that you have to go down. It is what it is because it doesn't, it used to bother me and I used to block the person when and I still do block him when I do see it, but it's not because it's like insulting me. It's just because, you know, I do it for other people and the respect. And I know that Marco's family does watch our shit and they don't have to see that. Um, but I feel sorry for you, man. I feel sorry that you live such a miserable existence in life that you feel the need to make fun of a dead guy. Like just, you know, fuck off. <laughs> um, okay. So 
Let's talk a little bit about those Buffalo Bills. Uh, I was hanging out at the Bills Helmet Bar today as a, for the Dean Bundell Network. Here it is. There's a picture of it there. Let's see if I can pull this up a little bit to show you guys how, how fucking cool this place is. Uh, this is my boys Rick and Blake who built this bar. Rick and I actually know each other outside of uh, football fandom. And uh, he's always been inviting me for years, been inviting me to his bar. And I finally made my way over there. And it's it's a fucking cool place. They had over 40 people there today. They were banging. Uh, I got videos up on Twitter if you want to check it out, DPN underscore Ray. Uh, we interviewed Blake, and, and he gave a shout-out to the people and talked about the bar, and I've got them singing happy birthday to somebody. It was just a crazy experience. The food was fucking unbelievable. And there's the most hospitable place in the world, and everybody there makes you feel welcome. I had some great conversations with the patrons there. And you know what? Again, listen, I hate the Buffalo Bills. I'm a New England Patriots fan. Like, I fucking hate the Bills. I was so happy to see them lose to the Jets today because I just thought it was fucking hilarious. But I love Bills Mafia, and that's why I hang out with Bills Mafia all the time. Mario and Kristen and all those people. Like, it's great, and I love my fucking job. I love that I got to my, my day today was going out and hanging out at the Bills Mafia bar, taking some videos, taking some pictures, posting some social media, and then coming home and talking about it on a podcast. So again, shout out to uh, to Blake and Rick for inviting me. And uh, again, Dean couldn't make it, and he apologizes, but he'll be back with a dip. And uh, yeah, it was just fucking unbelievable opportunity. And if you are a, even if you're not a Buffalo Bills fan, because they're welcoming, like there's, there's a Bengals fan there who's amazing. He's there every time. And they are so welcoming. If you need to, if you are in, you know, anywhere near Southern Ontario and you can get up to Keswick, Ontario, reach out to at Bill's Helmet Bar. They have a, a Twitter account. Ask them where their location is. Ask them if they can, you can go watch a game there. They'll let you. They'll invite you. And it's great. They got this big sign behind the bar that everybody goes and, and you sign um, like a guest book to show that you were there for that summer. I made sure to write Go Pats with my autograph. That'll be famous one day, Rick. Don't lose that. Don't lose that. That's going to be a famous autograph. Uh, because I'm going to do something fucked up that's going to make me famous. So, uh, yeah, you got to go check out the uh, Bills on the bar. But like I said, I hate the Buffalo Bills. They lost to the Jets today. And here's what my boy Rico over from Buffalo Fanatics tweeted out. He said, here it is. Recipe to slowing slash stopping the Bills. Bracket Stephon Diggs. Put a number one corner on Gabe Davis. Force Allen to look at his third and fourth options and use his legs all game long. This was the result in last week's game versus the Packers, second half, and today's game. Brilliant strategy. Listen, every team in the NFL has a book. Every quarterback has a book on how to beat them. Every team has a weakness. But you need to have a team that's set up to beat you. Unfortunately for the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets have set up one of those teams. They have the type of secondary that can slow down Josh Allen. We saw Josh run the ball a lot today. I saw him limping at one point. I got nervous for him in Bills Mafia. It's one of my concerns. I am so scared that Josh Allen is going to go down the path of Cam Newton and his body is just going to take punishment. And one day he's just not going to have it anymore. He's just body's going to break down. But listen, the best Patriots teams, the best every team all had some part of their team that was beatable, but you got to be able to beat it. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest problem is even when you kind of figure it out, they can change the game plan. They can change their identity. That's the telltale sign of a good coach. So this is now going to be on Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott has to recognize that teams have sort of kind of figured them out. I mean, Josh Allen is a cheat code, so that's you're not going to be able to figure that piece out. But without, you know, putting a spy on them every time and leaving somebody open. But 
what what you're going to do is going to be figured out. So it's going to be up to Sean McDermott now to try to change that game plan. It's going to be up to Dorsey to change that game plan. It's going to be offensively. What do we do next time not to be beat this way? That's why Bill Belichick was always successful. They were able to just change their identity mid-season. Go back to their last Super Bowl. Go back to the Patriots' last Super Bowl. Go back to when they went into that game against the Rams. Or let's go back to, I think, week 15 or 16. They were playing the Jets. I think they played the Bills and they played the Jets. That was the way they finished the season. The, the Patriots suddenly went from a team who wanted to pass the ball a million times to becoming a run-heavy team, and that's what sort of exploded Sony Michelle into the real limelight. As much as Sony, you can call Sony Michelle a failed draft pick for the Patriots, you have to admit that they basically ran to the Super Bowl on the back of Sony Michelle because they changed their identity. They went from being a team that liked to pass the ball to a team that just ran hard-nosed football. And that's what Buffalo needs to do now. I'm not saying become a, a run first team, but they need to change their identity to just throw everybody off. It's a little early in the season to take a full identity change. I've always liked Bill Belichick's approach of game by game as much as Bill might be, you know, losing it from a personnel standpoint. I think that I think that um, where he really is strong is still in those X's and O's. And I think really taking that approach is huge. All right, let's continue talking about the Patriots a little bit. Okay, so NFL Rumors tweeted out, the Patriots offered the Steelers a better deal for Chase Claypool than the Chicago Bears. Pittsburgh did not want to trade him to New England. That's per NBC Sports. And when I saw this today, and it was today that I saw it, I was like at first a little bit surprised. I couldn't believe what I read, and then then I was okay with it because I remember when we go back to the Antonio Brown situation with the pay, when he was still with the Steelers, the Patriots apparently tried to make a move for him, and they were like, no, we're not going to trade you. We're not going to trade to the Patriots. There's just some, there's such that rivalry between Pittsburgh, especially Mike Tomlin and the Patriots, runs so deep. There is nothing that the Steelers want to do to make the Patriots better. All the power to them. I get it. I remember once I heard a thing or I read a thing or saw a thing, something. I saw something where Mike Tomlin used to circle the Patriots game in this calendar when it would come out on the schedule. And I used to always think, man, you've got to concentrate on a lot of other games. Don't just focus on the New England Patriots, but that's what he would do. And I think that, you know, I get them not wanting to give Chase Claypool. He's a young wide receiver. Would he have fit the Patriots system? I mean, at this point, does the Patriots have an offensive system? Because I'm going to be honest with you right now. I don't know how other Patriot fans feel, but I am very, very worried about Mac Jones. Hopefully this is just that sophomore slump and he can bounce back year three, or maybe this is on Bill Belichick and not putting enough weapons around him and not trying, you know, not just trying to play this run game with tight ends and that type of thing. And maybe want to go out and get a legit receiver, kind of the way Stefan Diggs sort of turned Josh Allen's game around. Cause I think we have to admit that, right? Like I think Josh Allen would admit that, that his game really turned around when he had Stefan Diggs and had that legit number one wide receiver threat that he could throw the football to. That opened up things for other players. That opened up Josh Allen's legs. There was a lot of things that the Bills could do offensively. Maybe the Patriots are in a situation where they're just not putting enough talent around Mac Jones. However, the decision-making that Mac Jones makes on a week-to-week basis, if you're a Patriots fan, as I am, has to make you very, very concerned about what they're going to do in the future. 
uh, let's stick with the Patriots for one second. This is my final Patriots story here, but there's a lot. You know what? On game day, there's so much that comes up. But Tanya Ray Fox, I know she's not everybody's favorite, but she wrote something very, very interesting that I think hit home to me. And she said, if Josh McDaniels hadn't left, both the Patriots and the Raiders would be better. And I don't know how you guys feel. Let me know how you feel, whether on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray or uh, in the comment section or follow me on Instagram, Ray Route, R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H. I think I kind of agree with her. I think that Josh McDaniels has not done well as the head coach in Las Vegas, the same way he didn't do well as the head coach in Denver, but he's a fantastic offensive coordinator. I know that the Patriot fans had a thing out for him. Like they were just, I don't know. You just, they, they, they had this like vision that he wasn't a good OC. He's better than Matt Patricia and Joe judge though. There's no way that you could turn around and tell me the Patriots are in a better position without Josh McDaniels than they were with Josh McDaniels. That's just, I mean, that's fucking crazy. And I, I agree. I think that the Raiders were in a good spot before Josh McDaniels went in. And I think the Patriots were in a better spot when he was the offensive coordinator. Who knows? Maybe next year, the year after, we're going to see a return because it doesn't look like Bill Belichick has any desire to go out and build an, a proper coaching staff for his team or his quarterback or his players. Sorry, my head is sweating. It's hot in here, man. I'm, I'm dying tonight. But it doesn't look like he has you know, any ambition or any hope or any want to make this team better from that perspective. So maybe Josh McDaniels returns. But I, I agree. I had to agree with Tanya Ray Fox. It was a great assessment. There's not a whole lot to talk about around it. I'm not going to waste a lot of time and just draw on and on and on about one subject. But I completely and totally agree that both teams would have been better. Uh, this one came up from Jay Glazer today that said, big news for OBJ rehabbing going so well. He's expected to be fully cleared in the next week. Should have be many suitors for his service. Now, we've heard the Kansas City Chiefs were in play for him, but now they went and picked somebody up. I still think that Odell Beckham Jr. will be a Buffalo Bill by the end of the season. I think that Von Miller's been doing recruiting, and I think what maybe we saw today against the Jets is having a player like OBJ out there would have probably opened up New York's defense just too much. You shut down Stephon Diggs. You shut down Gabriel Davis. You probably didn't have enough to shut down OBJ as well. Now, before this game, I've been pretty clear how high I was on this Buffalo team. And I said that we haven't seen a Buffalo team or uh, sorry, an NFL team this good since the 2007 Patriots, a team that actually looked virtually unstoppable. And yet they looked stoppable today against New York jets. OBJ has showed a lot of love towards Josh Allen and a lot of love towards the bills and he's probably the missing piece. He's probably the piece that would put the the Bills over the edge. And I just, I don't think that there's a, I'm thinking of all the great defenses in the NFL. I don't believe that there is a defense out there that would be able to stop this Bills defense if they were to add OBJ to that list. It's just, it's not. Uh, Marcus Stroman tweeted out today, Toronto for the day. The energy in this city is always elite. Beyond thankful for my time here, we'll always spend time in this beautiful city. Now, I know Marcus Stroman isn't a fan favorite amongst a lot of people in a lot of cities, but I've, I'm still a Marcus Stroman fan. I think that he's still just badass and just doesn't care a little bit like somebody else I know. Uh, but as somebody from Toronto who, you know, we have these constant conversations about players not wanting to play in Toronto. We have these constant conversations about people not wanting to be here. I think anytime a former player comes back and kind of shouts out this city, 
uh, is huge. And that could be huge in the recruitment process as well. It could be huge in the process of people, you know, maybe other athletes reaching out to him and like, Hey, what's so great about it? But you know, Stroman, remember when he tore his ACL, I think it was back in 2015 and he made it back for the playoffs and it was a big impact on the mound for them. Uh, I'm happy that he loves the city. I'm telling you, I, got, I love the city of Toronto. I love where I am. I'm not directly in the city. I'm in the GTA though. I'm just outside of it, but I'm down in the, in the six all the time. And I just, I love when former athletes shout out this city, especially ones who made an impact on this team. And especially one that maybe has the ear of a few of the players in the league, because that goes a long, 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 long way. to players may be considering coming to Toronto. All right, let's look at one more. And this one hurts because I got to do this, but this guy smoke at Nikki smokes. So everybody knows who he is. He's a, just a pain in the ass douchebag of a, of a Dolphins fan says can officially say that at 23 years old, Tua is the best Dolphins quarterback I've seen play. I mean, he's not wrong, right? Ryan Tannehill. No, Ryan Fitzpatrick. No. And I'm going to be honest with you, this has kind of screwed up the whole thing for me because I thought he said the best quarterback I've ever seen play. So I was going to go on this whole big rant, how I love Tua, but these kind of stupid things. But uh, I don't know. At 20, if he's 23 years old, I don't see who else would be better. I fucked that whole thing up. I read that tweet wrong. I was all ready. I had a whole rant kind of in my head about what I was going to say, and uh, I can't do it now because he's not wrong. There is no other quarterback that's fucking played for the Dolphins in his 23 years of life that's going to be better than Tua, and it should have been official last year. Like, who else was he going to compare it to? Tannehill? Fitzpatrick? I'm trying to think of all the fucking other Miami quarterbacks. When did Dan Marino retire? Probably not when he was watching football. So, all right. Well, that fucked up. It is what it is. It happens from time to time. Besides that, I think it was a pretty good show. So maybe it's time to uh, hit the music. All right, take a breath, slow down, chill out now. Uh, thanks so much for watching Ray Sports Ram. My name is Ray Rout. Uh, make sure you check us out on the Who's Got Next YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, all that kind of good stuff. Talking sports. Big week this week. We got Adam Armbright coming on to talk about the NBA. We got Griff Borjuan coming on to talk about the NHL. Of course, we'll have Mario and uh, Kristen Kimmick to talk about the Buffalo Bills. We got the Who's Got Next podcast on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time with my boys Mike Connor, Mike or Mario and Kristen, where we just talk about a bunch of nonsense. Kevin Gerard will be here on Thursday to talk about this. The oh no, he won't be here. He's in he's in Mexico, but he will be doing a blog with me. Uh, we'll be talking about the AFC East, and then uh, I'll wrap everything up on Friday, and we'll just have a, a really good time. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at. Blundell Net. Also follow our founder at It's Team Blundell. Big announcement coming up in the next couple of weeks with the Team Blundell Network. Hope that you all tune in and uh, listen to that. Follow me on Twitter at DPN underscore Ray. You can also follow me on Instagram. They're telling me to be more... Uh, hold on, it's my favorite part. Thank you for coping with that. That's uh, I just I love that part. I don't know. It gets me all hyped up. Um, follow me on Instagram. They're telling me to get more active on my Instagram account. So I am. Uh, it's just at Ray Routes. R-A-Y-R-A-U-T-H. Can we follow over there? Thanks to Mike and Chris for following me this the other night. And uh, 
you'll see videos, all that kind of stuff. You can also follow the uh, Who's Got Next Pod at Who's Got Next Pod uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram account. That's where we drop uh, a bunch of other videos and just pictures and that kind of thing. Follow us on all our all our socials. And uh, yeah, man, make sure you download the podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere where you get your fine podcasts, including DeanBlendell.com. This show was sponsored by nobody, so I don't have much left to say. Well, listen, if there was a time today that maybe I said something you didn't like, maybe when I was talking about good insults and telling you how fucking bad you all were at it, if there was anything that maybe got you a little bit upset, maybe got you just a little bit wanting to come after me, I got to sincerely say to you, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.